Welcome to Stories That Stick, a podcast series about the stories that shape us. One in particular had been shot in their bed, another had been hit by a bus. So it was really speaking to that and collecting those memories. Hey guys, it's Ade here, your host for Stories That Stick. Before I actually do introduce our guests, I wanted to just check in on you. How's everyone doing that's listening to this? I hope you're good. And I know it's a question that seems odd because I'm not really speaking to anyone specific, but I think, yeah, I'd like to start shouting out all our listeners at the beginning of every episode, just as a simple way of saying thank you for listening. Now, the best way to do that would be for you guys to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and naturally, I'll read them out. Today, we have a special guest, Peju Ushin. She's a private arts curator. She works for the Tate's Young People's Programme, as well as being an associate lecturer for Central St. Martins. We spoke to her remotely about her legacy she's wanting to leave, the stories that made an impact on her life, such as watching Judge John Deed, where lawyer dies and consequently stopped her from pursuing a career in law, and reading small islands during her A-levels, encouraging her to want to create spaces for immigrants to feel proud and safe, and obviously much more. So guys, if you're brand new to the show, firstly, welcome. But secondly, please know we start all our episodes talking about death. So if this is triggering, please do skip approximately to two minutes ahead when you hear the page turning sound effect. Hope you have a great day. Bye. Welcome to Stories That Stick. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. So the very first question I ask is, how do you feel about death? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the topic death? I think I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. Um, It feels like this very, uh, I don't know, almost abstract thing. Abstract. That's interesting use of choice of words. Uh, (laughs) It's really weird. Um, Well, I found out that a couple of people that I know and have cared about have died over the past couple of months. Um, I think it hasn't still quite sunk in yet. My condolences, number one. Thanks. Knowingly and hearing they've passed on, did that change your behaviour and attitude towards life? I think that's a, maybe quite a typical thing. It's kind of you hear that news and then there's this, this thing within you that activates and you're kind of in this space where you're like, do you know what? Life is short. Um, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I think that's a very common thing. Yeah. And then you kind of make this internal pledge. You tell yourself, do you know what? I'm going to do everything to the fullest. I'm going to love hard. I'm going to enjoy my life. You know, not going to care about or worry about what anyone else thinks. At the end of the day, I have to be truest to myself. And are you? I'm really working on it. I think that's part of growing up, right? I think so. And the reason as to why that is such a question that I ask all my guests from the jump is because all my guests are doing something within our community positively. Whether intentionally or otherwise, they are building a legacy. So a question I'm going to ask to you before we do go into the chapters of your life so far and why you do what it is you do is, is it because you want a legacy? Do you know what? Yes, let me say it with my chest. Yes, I do. 
I absolutely do. I think I definitely feel like I want to make or continue to make an impact um, in people's lives. Well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to find out what this purpose is. (laughs) So shall we go to your first chapter? Of course, let's do it. So zero to 10, your first decade in your life. What was going on around you? Paint some pictures for us. Right. So I am a South Londoner through and through. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're so, born here, yeah? Yeah. I Yeah. So um, born in South London. To a Nigerian parent? Yeah. Are you first generation? First generation. Oh, it's been a trip. You know, your parents still have these very Nigerian views. And you've grown up here, um, a lot of people that you're friends with are from different cultures. So you're trying to reckon with that idea of, okay, these are the morals and values that I held within my home, but this is what everyone else is doing outside. Can you give me an example? The respect thing. Everyone is auntie and uncle, right? Um, or even that, that slight extension of, you know, everyone might be mummy or daddy, <laughs> which you know, I, I do have a problem with, but that's a, that's another story. Um, <laughs> um, I would have friends who would be calling their mums uh, or their friends' mums by their first name. And I was like horrified. I was just like, wow. I was just like, how do I even approach this? Specifically, you know, when I had white friends, their mums weren't really here for the whole auntie thing. So it's just like, ah, okay, I'm going to have to call this person's mum by their first name. I cannot allow my mum to hear me doing this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I could totally relate. I could absolutely relate. During this decade, let's talk more about your identity Mm -hmm. as a black woman. Yeah. Did you know that first start, that you were black quote unquote no um I didn't I think you know well where I grew up it was really you know multicultural well that particular um estate that I grew up on we lived with people in the same block who were Greek who were Somali who were Indian Pakistani um white British and we all played out together So I didn't pay attention to it because it was just life. I was just living uh, at that time. Really? So, I mean, we are still zero to ten, but noticeably, because we Mm -hmm. can't help it, and it's somewhat a little bit, not naive or maybe not even ignorant, I'm not entirely sure of the word, but to say we don't see colour is quite dismissive. But what that actually means once you see a colour is where it could be problematic yeah but you're saying during zero to ten you didn't feel a difference as a black woman because everyone was different so you were all equal in a sense yeah so is that what I'm picking up I'm not sure if I'm reading right yeah so I suppose not fully as such so I suppose when I'm talking about that that's the first you know couple of years that up until about five six seven ish and then I think it was around the age of seven or eight Um, that there was slightly more awareness of that. Oh, okay. Why? What happened? So it was, you know, uh, primary school. And I suppose just in terms of people saying things about skin colour. So people say, oh, you're so blick. And then I suppose the things that come in, additionally, which start to make you aware, are people commenting on hair specifically. 
So um, I think for a lot of us, we had extensions or braids. And then, you know, there was one friend in particular who had quite lengthy natural hair. And she, you know, said, oh, you're wearing coarse hair. <laughs> and I remember that used to be like quite a, a bit of a big insult. When you felt that way, did you go back to your mum, dad? Like, how did you navigate or manage so no, it's definitely something that I didn't speak to my parents about because I, I think is this an important thing to speak to my parents about? Also being very aware of the fact that they're busy working. They come home, you know, physically tired mm. and just thinking I can maybe handle this by myself or... Um, or your brothers perhaps? Well, no, again, because there's such a, a big age gap, I think they were off to uni by that time. So I didn't see them for the majority of the year. So in, in actuality, when I think about it, I really felt like an only child. Did you feel lonely during this decade? Yeah, I, th I think um, in that sense, I've always been quite a reflective child, always thinking about something. Um, I, I think there was, um, yeah, something of that that felt quite alone but also quite content what you did say to me struck a chord what one of your fondest stories that you read as a child do you remember what you wrote it was the tim and tobias series or tim and the hidden people so tell us about that why was this a fund or one of your fondest stories one of my favorite teachers in primary school miss stevens she was this kind of very big jolly woman and she started reading this series of books, which was the Tim and Tobias series. So it was about this young boy called Tim, who was an orphan. The first series that I referenced, there was this black cat. And Tim would go on these adventures at night. And these hidden people that no one else was seeing, but he was able to see and get into a bit of mischief with, I can just remember sitting down on the carpet, my legs crossed and just being in absolute awe of this story. Kind of ties in with the fact that you said even in this decade, you were very reflective. Mm -hmm. Are you an empath, would you say? Yeah, sometimes too much, actually. <laughs> well, there you go. So you can almost feel what's not been said. Yeah. Exactly that. Well, shall we then uh, go to your next chapter, which will be 11 to 20? Let's do it. <laughs> We've now gone into, well, I think we're going into secondary school, really and truly. And uh, did you get up to much adventures during this decade? Yes, I, I, oh my God, I feel like that decade was an absolute blur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> such a blur. Um, <laughs> oh, it won't be a great podcast if you can't give us some details. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I think for me, getting into secondary school, that was a pivotal moment for me, um, especially with the primary school that I went to. It was quite small. So suddenly being in secondary school with, you know, so many people. And then also, I think what was really pivotal for me was being in a space with lots of other Nigerians. 
practically everyone was Nigerian, <laughs> Jamaican. <laughs> so <laughs> we're out here. We're out here. We, we're really out here. Um, so that was really nice for me. Um, and there was so much bants. I went, to, <laughs> I went to perhaps not the best of secondary schools in South London, and it was like drama every day. <laughs> <laughs> were you involved in the drama though? Or no, were you do you know what? Afar? I was one of those people who was um, kind of always in but out. I was friends with everyone, and I was also really into sports as well. So I did athletics, football. So I played for the football team. What position? I was in defence. Yeah, okay. Come on, defending, defending, you know? (laughs) At athletics? Shotport was my field event. I think I came number two in Savick. I was, you know, I was all right. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. And was that then potentially a thing or career route to go into professional sports? I was interested but at the same time, I was also very academic too. Of course, ninja parents. <laughs> this is it, right? <laughs> you can't come home with trash, girl. You cannot. You what a act- <laughs> when, you're, when your mates are carrying A, eh? do they have two heads? <laughs> <laughs> so. Facts. God, I literally echoing words that if I'm getting a bit of PTSD, you say that. I mean, it's a lot, right? Um, this is stuff that I think a lot of us work through in our twenties. But oh, you again... must. We'll get into that for sure. For real. That you're very academic. You were saying. Yeah. Um. So I was very academic. So I was also um very interested in art. Okay. So I equally would spend all my lunch times in the art room. I think I found it really therapeutic. Do you recall during this time what you were expressing? Yeah, so a lot of it was really, really about the things that I was seeing on a daily basis. So I was really interested in a reflection of my community, the people that I was seeing. So I remember for my GCSEs, I created this mural being really concerned that there were a couple of people that we had been to school with who had unfortunately died. One in particular had been shot in their bed and another had been hit by a bus. So it was really, you know, speaking to that and uh, collecting a lot of those memories. Do you still have that GCSE artwork? I do, actually. I'd love to see it. Throw it it in your Instagram. (laughs) We're still in this decade, but GCSE. Mm -hmm. Was there any tutor? It could even be within the school or it could even be maybe an uncle or auntie outside of school that saw a talent in you to pursue that as a career. So there wasn't anyone outside of school as such. So you didn't have the usual trope, the parents pushing you to become doctor, lawyer, engineer, etc. No, I, do you know what? I didn't, luckily enough, because I, I was the last one. We actually do have a doctor in the family. <laughs> one of my brothers <laughs> is a doctor. <laughs> so he'd already kind of carried that, you know, that cross. Um, yeah. But I suppose their thing was still just like, smash it. Like, we need you to do well. But... Having said that, I always definitely felt that art was a hobby. It wasn't a thing. So then if it wasn't, what were you pursuing? (sighs) Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why'd you say it that way? <laughs> yeah, no, because it's been a really um, non-linear path for me. Actually, do you know what? At one point, I did want to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, there we are, fitting into that typical Nigerian. <laughs> um, and then I saw an episode of Judge John Deed and the lawyer was killed and I was just like, nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, actually, I won't. Uh. But isn't it quite interesting that you watched a single episode or something and that can really change the trajectory of what you do as a person? Yeah. So when people don't think media matters or what we see on screen, Mm -hmm. evidently it it does does matter. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll study, I'll still study the English literature because I really love English and I really love language. And then, you know, I'll do economics, media studies and sociology. But you weren't thinking in the hope of becoming something with those. You weren't. You were just doing what you loved. I thought I was doing what I loved. Like my AS levels were actually awful. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Are we talking grades here? Grades, yeah. What was distracting you? When we were in college, um, like the common room was the spot, right? So we when you say the spot, they they wanted that a spot for what? For 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 blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we were we were addicted to playing blackjack. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> okay. <laughs> Blackjack, I uh, sure could you sure. Uh, do you know what? I, I'm being so honest right now. That was, you know, it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. You, you had to retain your title, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, spent, I spent maybe too much time in the common room, you know. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. So you're getting distracted and that's why your A-less levels weren't great. Yeah, yeah. But you turned that around, I assume. I did. I absolutely did. So then the following year, I really put my head down. And I think the major factor was, um, so when you talked about, okay, was there anyone who was like a mentor, figure of guidance? I didn't have that. But in college, I went to go and see the careers counsellor because we had to start applying for UCAS to go to university. At some point, I'd pivoted towards marketing. And this guidance counsellor, um, she told me, she was like, yeah, you won't be able to get into any of these universities. And that was a black woman who was telling me that. I think I cried in front of her. But at the same time, I was like, OK, I'm not having that. Yeah. I'm going to prove her wrong. And I did. I got into all of my universities. I had like um, an unconditional offer. Um, and then I was just like, oh, actually, I want to study architecture. So you did architecture? I did architecture and that's just because I was really obsessed with this idea of home and our environment. And so, as I mentioned with that GCSE art project, in thinking about my environment and, you know, what was happening, I'd always been the type of person who, if I'm sitting on the train, we go past buildings, I wonder who lives in that building? What is that person's life like? I wonder about, you know, them beyond themselves in that moment. You know, how can we create a sense of community? Something you did submit with those prompts. And there was a story called Small Island by Andrea Levy. Yeah. Why was this one of the funnest stories you read? That was one of my A-level texts. So Small Island, it's basically about the Windrush generation, essentially. 
it starts off with Hortense, who's one of the main characters, and um, she's at home in Jamaica. She's a teacher. She's very affluent, very well respected in the community. And then there's Michael, and he joins the army or he gets shipped off. Um, and then they've got an agreement that she will come to the UK afterwards. So she's maybe not particularly interested in him. They're doing it for economic reasons. And then they get to England. It is this whole reckoning with the fact that back home, she'd been treated really well. But all of a sudden getting to England, people treat you like trash. People call you names. People don't want you to sit next to them. All of these things that our parents would have gone through. Knowingly knowing that, what did you want to do from that knowledge? I think for me, it really motivated me to want to offer space for that dialogue, uh, for people to understand self better and people not necessarily having to feel ashamed, you know, standing in everything it is that they are and feeling proud of that. Yeah, 100%. I can now see as to why you do what it is you do. So I'd like then us to go into your last and third chapter, which was 20 plus, especially where we find ourselves, well, talking to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Pidgeo, you're now a beautiful black woman making a name for herself. <laughs> but how have we got here? Let's talk literally from 20 plus. So we might now be in the tail end of University of Kent. So I actually left Kent and I came back to London and I also changed my course as well. That's a bold move. It was difficult in the sense that when I joined the course, there was a cohort of maybe 150 students um, and there were only three or four black students on that course. So the environment just, you know, wasn't something that I necessarily enjoyed. Yeah, no, so I get that. So you transferred to a uni in London and also changed course. Yeah, so I didn't change too far away from it. So I studied um, interior design. And again, a lot of the projects that I did were very much focused on community and people and uh, giving them space to kind of learn or kind of uh, to earn a living for themselves. What is it that you do? I do everything, basically. <laughs> 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 here, man, Wonder Woman, I can't believe she's white, man. They should just put anti Oh, God. Um, yeah, so I literally do everything. So I have a full-time job at the moment. So I work at an art museum. I work at the Tate. So I'm curator of the Young People's Programmes. But on the side, I also do some teaching. But also I have my personal curatorial practice as well, which is very much focused on black African artists and support them to write artist statements, exhibitions and, you know, the whole the whole hog. So, um, yeah, again, for me, um, and you've used this word already, which I think is so key. It's really about legacy and thinking about what it is that black artists do in the world. Um, and making sure that it doesn't just disappear because I think we have maybe a very different way of documenting things which doesn't allow it to necessarily always be referenced in the way that it should be in thinking about that broader art canon so yeah I hear that I hear that well I do want to let you go 
bit. It would be <laughs> remiss of me for not to get your final submission for the Thunder story you read as an adult, which was Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe. Classic. Yes. Now, why did this story stick with you? Why did it make such an impact on your life? There's a main character, Okonkwo, and he's a leader of a community. Who can defeat that magic cat from Ishike? And that man, it's Okonkwo. And then there are a couple of things that happen just before he's banished because he accidentally uh, kills somebody. So he's sent on um, an exile. I suppose it really just addresses the issues of white saviorism or the missionaries and kind of how they impacted our communities, you know, very specific uh, elements of our culture, which we've been forced to get rid of because of the picture that's been painted. Yeah, that, that in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much, you know. <laughs> Okay, Pidgey, so if there was one book that you can gift to others, what book would it be and why? Oh, if there was one book that I could gift to others. <sighs> Bell Hooks, All About Love. Just in terms of the questioning that we do of ourselves and understanding this thing called love, we think there is a particular way to love. So it's important to kind of um, strip back some of those notions and really um, define what it is that feels good for us. So um, yeah, I I'd probably say that. Amazing. So how can we find you in the World Wide Web? And when we do, is there anything you'd like us to do? Right, how can you find me on the web? Um, so I am on all socials um, at Peggy Washin. I'm probably most active on Instagram. Um, so yeah, follow. Or also check out my website as well. I've been doing a series of interviews called Home From Home with a group of artists who are based all around the world. Um, and that's been really about reflecting on their experiences of lockdown and how their practice has changed. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and that's Peju, P-E-J-U, yes. and Oshin is O-S-H-I-N, guys. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll put all of this on the show notes, as always. So, <laughs> Peju, it's been an absolute pleasure, really has. And for those who are listening, stay tuned for another episode of Stories That Stick. And the easiest way to stay tuned is by subscribing. And do also share and like if you enjoyed this episode, because it really does help us grow. So, guys, yeah take care bye thank you thank you so much bye hey guys if you enjoyed today's episode please do share it and if you'd like to be featured on the podcast please do get in touch <laughs>